Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Election College, Episode 146, The President's Cabinet, Part 2. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks. But did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Ben, last time we talked about some of the big, I was going to say bad, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. The, the big bad cabinet positions (laughs) the big bad good wolf something yeah jason last time we talked about the big four and then also of course the vice president but we've got what 11 others to get through here right so yeah we should probably get cracking on that okay so first of all you've got the secretary of the interior and for those of you who might be wondering Are we talking about this in any particular order? Well, guess what? We are. These are the people who are in succession to the presidency. So the earlier we talk about them, the higher up in the rankings they are. So uh, the Secretary of the Interior is responsible for the, go figure, Ben, Mm -hmm. the Department of the Interior. Wow. And yeah. And they manage and conserve most of the federal land as well as the natural resources. And some of the departments or bureaus that you might have heard of, such as the Bureau of Land Management and the United States Geological Survey and the National Park Service, fall into the Department of the Interior. And, hey, a perk for being the secretary, Mm -hmm. you get to serve and appoint private citizens on the National Park Board. Yeah, I'd say if you are an American, and maybe even if you're not an American, uh, but you've been to the United States, you have probably benefited greatly from the Secretary of the Interior's, you know, staff, uh, just by the fact that the National Park Service falls under their wing. And most of us have probably been to at least one national park. Yeah. And when a lot of us think of national parks, we think of, well, places out yonder. That's how we say it in Kentucky, out yonder, Mm -hmm. out west, past the Mississippi. And as a matter of fact, since 1949, all but one of the secretaries of the interior have hailed from west of the Mississippi. Right. Yeah. Hey, uh, you want to move on to the secretary of agriculture? This one's so exciting. 
Yeah, because I'm hungry. <laughs> okay, so the Secretary of Agriculture, well, first of all, it's a pretty decently sized department. Uh, but, of course, if you have any national forest or any big grasslands that are managed by the Forest Service, this is going to fall under the Secretary of Agriculture. And also, if and this one kind of makes a little more sense, food. Food that's produced here in the U.S. and then uh, sold or eaten by the United States is also under their wing, under the United States Food Safety and Inspection Service. And then you also have the food stamp program, which helps provide food to low-income people. Of course, the department also helps out uh, farmers and everything like that, and gardeners even, uh, with the United States Cooperative State Research, Education, and Extension Service. So they're going to give advice and you know even further education to help people grow things. Yeah, and you probably have an extension office near you where they do yep. all kinds of cool things. So look that up. I know if you have kids and if you're at all interested in growing your own food or learning about how food is produced in your local area <laughs> and, and even in your climate and um, you know how they have those zones, like uh-huh. the temperate zones, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> but they can help you with what plants you can plant and what will thrive in your area. It's a really cool program. Yeah. And Jason, the Secretary of Agriculture, we just named a bunch of stuff that they have to do. And it sounds like a lot to me. I don't, it sounds like more than I have to do on a daily basis, I'm sure. Yeah. But... In 2015, this is just kind of a a cool, interesting story, Uh, Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack said to President Obama he would like to resign. And I don't know anything, I'm just being blatantly honest, about Tom Vilsack. He may have been excellent at his job, and that's why he had so much spare time, or he may have been uh, really bad at his job, and that's why he had so much spare time. But he made the statement that there are days when I literally have nothing to do. So... Man, Secretary of Agriculture, I don't know if that's like the sweet spot or if it's actually a lot harder. But anyway, they gave him something to do, and that was that was a good thing. Almost sounds like Ron Swanson. He, does. <laughs> he just sits in his chair and spins around all day. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Parks and Rec. If you have not seen that show, sometimes Ben and I might allude to it. So Yeah, probably should just go ahead and watch all however many seasons. <laughs> yeah, or just Google it, and you'll say what we mean. Yeah. So the next in the line of presidential succession is the Secretary of Commerce. And the Secretary of Commerce deals with promoting American businesses and industries. And the department has the mission statement to foster, promote, and develop the foreign and domestic commerce. And um, yeah, the Secretary of Commerce really serves as the voice of U.S. business within the cabinet yeah and this is probably gonna and this is probably gonna be targeted more towards you know your national businesses and they're gonna have the lobbyists who can go in and spend the money that's needed to get their voices heard uh we'll talk a little bit later about how small businesses at least as the um the definition of small businesses are represented in the cabinet as well but the secretary of commerce it's kind of interesting because their job is like super, super important, and there's definitely a lot that uh, is directly related to the Secretary of Commerce, but it doesn't sound like it. It's like agriculture sounds like a ton of stuff to do, and maybe yeah. not. Commerce sounds like 
not much to do, but it's really, really a lot. Right. I mean, because when you think about it, we take for granted sometimes how often we buy and sell things yeah. on an individual basis. And you can imagine what that's like on a government, a federal government basis. Sure. So, which uh, makes me think you got to work, right? Yeah. In order to Some people have, have to work anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Not you and I. We, we just, you know, we don't work at all. We podcast and make t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> so uh and uh, yeah and making t-shirts is a labor right and That's right. you've got the secretary of labor and the u.s department of labor really enforces and suggests laws that involve unions and the workplace and other issues involving any form of business person controversies so Eh, it's pretty important when you think about it because there was a time and you could say that perhaps this still happens where employers might take advantage of employees and things may not be fair in the hiring of employees and even the firing of employees. So the U.S. Department of Labor uh, plays a role in ensuring that the businesses comply with the law. Yeah. And Jason, I think it's really interesting. Uh, this position has had more women, seven, as the uh, head of the department, as the secretary of labor, than any other cabinet position, which is really interesting because women are oftentimes <laughs> underrepresented, of course, in mm -hmm. the workforce. And yet uh, somebody, you know, many presidents have seen it important that a woman should lead this department. So I don't know. Take that for what you will. But I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Go women. Yeah. Uh, the Secretary of Health and Human Services is up next. Of course, uh, they, um, they they take care of the Department of Health and Human Services, as it would sound. And uh, if there's anything that's of concern um, to the health of the nation, they're going to be on the front line of it. So the president might need to know about uh, matters of health or welfare, or perhaps there's you know, problems with income security, they're going to be there to kind of whisper in their ear. And then it also heads up the Department of Health in the fact that uh, they they carry out approved programs. And so these are going to be the people who are behind the big initiatives for, um, you know, wash your hands and get the flu shot and those kind of things. Yeah. And in addition to that, in this post 9-11 world that we live in, mm -hmm. The Department of Health, Education, and Welfare uh, plays an instrumental role in making sure the food supply is safe. And um, I don't know if you remember this, Ben, but shortly after the attacks on 9-11, there was the anthrax scare. Yep. And this is when this department really needed to step up and play a role in protecting what we eat and they have done an excellent job of protecting that although there was a quote from uh, former secretary tommy thompson who said quote i for the life of me cannot understand why the terrorists have not attacked our food supply because it is so easy to do that's pretty frightening yeah that's definitely not not helping me sleep better at night jason thank you for that you're welcome. Uh, the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, which you may know better as HUD, 
Basically, they're there to create strong, sustainable, inclusive communities and quality, affordable homes for all. So, you know, the HUD is like, if there's a problem with housing in the country, they're there. If there's a, something good that's happening in housing, they might have been there. Right. And <laughs> if you need an additional 500 forms to sign when you close on a house, yep. HUD is there for you. Yeah. And so HUD also... Uh, well, oftentimes they're not the only agency, but they're oftentimes the, the people who swoop in after a natural disaster and help and put a lot of money towards helping people get their homes rebuilt and things like that. Yeah. Which is a nice segue into the Secretary of Transportation. Yeah. You know, when you think about the, the Department of Transportation, a lot of times you might think about highway laws and things like that, but really the Department of Transportation plays a big role in ensuring the safety of Americans in that we can move large numbers of people into different areas of the country. It's fascinating when you think about it, how quickly uh, America adapted to the automobile and right, how, yeah. um, with some of Eisen Eisenhower gets the credit for a lot of this, but um, certainly he would have instructed his cabinet accordingly to develop the interstate highway system and and that is something that nowadays we just take for granted that we can move large vast numbers of people from one area to another in the event of a national um emergency i have a friend who claims to work for the department of transportation but i don't think i believe him i think he's a a spy but that's a different story altogether next up is the energy department and of course the secretary of energy this is one that doesn't make the news very often jason uh, at least not in my experience but it's an important one the energy department is really there to help make all sorts of energy better and cleaner and faster and more effective and stuff like that so you know there's a lot of science and technology involved in that uh, department and the secretary of energy is the one that makes it all tick and you really have no idea like how much energy you use until the lights are out, you know? Yeah. Imagine if like the secretary of energy was just like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do my job for a while. Yeah. How, you know, things might fall apart pretty quickly. Meh. So what about that whole electric <laughs> grid thing <laughs> we got going on? Oh, that's scary actually. It is, but thankfully we've got a energy. <laughs> thankfully we have an energy department. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then there's the Secretary of Education, and the Secretary, of course, is over the Department of Education, and this one is a bit controversial, depending on your political persuasion and really your persuasion of how much of an influence the federal government has in your child's education, right? Even, even higher education, but... Um, some of the things that they are dealing with currently are things like Common Core. You know, should the students in Hawaii be learning the same things as the children in Maine? I don't know. Is that a good idea? Uh, the Department of Education, though, does have an influence on that and setting some education standards. A lot of you with college loans probably owe money to the Department of Education. Yeah. So you may have an opinion about it and just didn't even know it. 
The Secretary of Homeland Security, this is probably the uh, one of the newest cabinet positions that were kind of created out of nothing. Uh, not out of nothing. That, that sounded derogatory. It wasn't meant to be. But the Department of Homeland Security, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're about protecting our homeland. Uh, there are a lot of anti-terrorism. They take care of the border and immigration. Customs falls under their wings, as does cybersecurity and disaster prevention. And, uh, you know, 9-11 uh, happens, and the president says, we're going to need like a whole department to deal with this kind of thing and prevent this from happening in the future. And that's where we get, uh, as a direct correlation, uh, the security of Homeland Security. So, yeah. And the Secretary of Homeland Security. It all sounds the same after after midnight. <laughs> a lot of you will remember when different facets of the different cabinet positions were pulled out of their old departments and put into the Department of Homeland Security. Mm-hmm. Uh, last episode, we talked about the Coast Guard. Right. They are under the Department of Homeland Security. And then there were other administrations that were created. And probably the biggest one that we saw that was created post 9-11 was the Transportation Security Administration. And they fall into that department. Yeah. Jason, so we've talked about the cabinet, but there are some other positions that are still pretty important, but they're not technically part of the cabinet. Yeah. So with the next several positions, yeah, so what happens is it's totally the persuasion of the president of who he's going to have in his or her cabinet. So some administrations will say, hey, I want the EPA director to be a cabinet member. Why not? And then other times it's more like, well, this person's heavily influential or this person functionally is a cabinet member, but on paper it doesn't seem that way. Uh, Most notably, the highest non-cabinet level person that helps the president with um, his or her administration is the White House Chief of Staff. Yeah, and I feel like the Chief of Staff actually like should be at all the cabinet meetings, but I don't think that they are at all the cabinet meetings. But uh, the White House Chief of Staff is the highest ranking employee of the White House. And you might remember hearing about the President's private secretary back in the olden days. Well, this position comes around and it gets formalized as an assistant to the President, which is nice. And that's back in 1946. And then in 1961, they were like, you know what, we should call him the Chief of Staff. And so the Chief of Staff is actually appointed by the President. Uh, The Senate does not need to confirm the Chief of Staff. And Man, they kind of do everything for the president that the president asks of them. Yeah, they are called the gatekeeper, and they've also been known as the power behind the throne. Pretty important person. And a lot of us don't even know who the chief of staff is right now. Yeah. Google it. (laughs) Its biggest function, really, is to make sure that the president's budget exists. That's not the only thing they do. I mean, they all also... Uh, make sure that uh, different agencies' programs are going well, that uh, there are you know policies and procedures in place, and they would also make sure that things are lining up with what the president has to say should be uh, uh, the law of the land. Yeah, and how 
the different agencies are going to cooperate with each other. And, you know, because there's only so much money, right? So we need to get along. You would and think that, understand. at least. Yeah, you might, <laughs> you might think. So the next position is the administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency. And the EPA is responsible for enforcing the nation's Clean Air and Clean Water Acts as well as, well, anytime you hear of an act having to do with the environment, the EPA is going to be involved. Moving right along into the U.S. Trade Representative, this person is responsible for making sure that all sorts of uh, you know international trade, anything to do with commodities and investment policies and negotiations with any kind of other countries are happening smoothly. And this person is the head of the U.S. Trade Representative Office, which kind of makes sense since that's their title, I guess. Yeah, so the trade representative provides trade policy leadership and negotiating expertise, and they go out there and promote the administration's trade policy uh, really to markets all around the world, and their goal is to create new opportunities and higher living standards for everyone. Yeah. Next up, we have the ambassador to the United Nations. And man, the United Nations would be an interesting topic for you to explore if you haven't done so already. We may even talk about it in more depth at some point. But the leader of the delegation to the United Nations is the United States ambassador. And they are kind of a cabinet, non-cabinet guy or gal, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, the uh, position is actually formally known as the Permanent Representative of the United States of America to the United Nation with rank and status of Ambassador Extraordinary and Plenipotentiary and Representative of the United States of America and the Security Council of the United Nations. I just wanted to Man. Re- you know, read the whole thing. To you show. did an awesome job. Thank you. I think I, I think I butchered one word, but that's fine everybody else would i'm not even going to make an attempt okay it's kind of like remember we were looking at the declaration of independence and the u.s constitution earlier today Uh um there was some other articles for those of you who don't know this week we have been in washington dc and there's a letter that george washington wrote that's on display at the archives right now and you know rhode island Uh uh-huh Little city, little state, big yeah, name. Because right. when we declared our independence, Rhode Island's name was Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. <laughs> and the UN ambassador, they uh, they get the big name. Yeah. So well, good, good job there. <laughs> anyway, they're, they're basic, in the, if I can put it in the most basic term, uh, their job is to represent the United States at the UN Security Council. And, you know, anytime there's a meeting going on, they're going to be there. Yeah. It, really interesting thing about the UN ambassador, because it hasn't been around that long, but there's been a number of influential politicians that all of us would be familiar with. Um, Adelaide Stevenson II. Right. Yeah, George H.W. Bush. He yeah. was probably, well, he did rise to the ranks of being a president, which was a pretty big deal. Yeah. And I didn't realize this, but Madeleine Albright, was a UN, uh, a U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. Wow, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So you have the chair of the Council of Economic Advisors, 
And this group, the Council of Economic Advisors, is an agency within the executive branch of government. And they advise the president on, get this, economics. <laughs> so, <laughs> and the policies that go with that. And that's not like a huge committee. It's just a couple of members. But the uh, chair of this group provides objective analysis and research for the White House, and they prepare the annual economic report of the president. Yeah, kind of a big deal. And then next, and finally, is the administrator of the Small Business Administration. And this person is, Jason, you're never going to believe it, the head of the Small Business Administration. No. Yeah, it's true. No way. Yeah. So, you know, the I mentioned earlier that they were going to, we were going to give some small business representation happening, and this is the person who does that. They're also in charge of the SBA loans that a lot of small businesses can get through their local banks and things like that. So SBA, I mean, while most of us are, you know, kind of noticing the large businesses that we can see everywhere, that people always say America rides on the back of small business owners. Yeah, and if you are a small business owner or are thinking about starting your own business, there are tons of amazing resources out there for people to start a business. And uh, a lot of times, I know in several states um, around where I live, each region has a small business administration office where uh, typically it's associated with a college or university and these folks in cooperation with the small business administration can give you all kinds of amazing insights into what it takes to start a business and to grow it and to thrive and prosper jason speaking of small businesses we really love doing this but we're also a small business so Go buy something. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we do have those beautiful, ugly Christmas sweater t-shirts that you will look great in and be tantalizing all of your friends at your Christmas party or whatever party you decide to wear it to. Um, we have Andrew Jackson. We have Alexander Hamilton. We have John Quincy Adams, or the Q, as we like to call him. And uh, you can find all those over at electioncollege.com slash store. Yeah, right now, an overwhelming number of the t-shirts that we have sold are the Alexander Hamilton ones. Mm -hmm. uh, here he wasn't even a president, right? <laughs> but he was most definitely the spin doctor, the Wizard of Oz, and uh, is kind of popular in our culture right now. Sure. But, uh, really, Andy Jack, Andrew Jackson, and John Quincy Adams, I mean, these two guys were very influential as our nation moved from the founding fathers into a new phase of government. And you're going to have to pick a side. Are you on the side of the Q or are you on the side of Andy Jack? Yeah. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll let you know who whose T-shirt sold the best, <laughs> Andy Jack's or the Q's. I think I would probably be on Andy Jack's um, uh, side just because he beats, beat a guy with a cane one time. Yeah. I mean, lots of other stuff he did, too. But the Q could kill you with his, with his expression. <laughs> I guess both of them. Can you imagine yeah. the stare down that they oh, would have man. had? No, I don't want to. Man, 1824, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. 1824. We also love it when you head over to our Facebook 
Twitter and Instagram to check out what we have to say. And we want to hear from you. Interact with us while you're there. We love when that happens. Yeah. And um, last time I said 90 seconds. How about this time I say 60 seconds? It's going to take you 60 seconds yeah. to visit electioncollege.com slash iTunes, where you will be redirected to our iTunes account, and you can leave us a rating and review. You can do it in 60 seconds. Easy. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we're really, honestly, uh, very pleased that we have so many cool listeners, and we will talk to you next time. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.